now, Culture Club with Melanie Olivero. And there are souls that are walking in the night. There's no clue of you and I. The ways your eyes, they smile. As we open up our minds, dear. Roofs of mouths and skies clear. Come and count. It's time for another music-oriented culture club. Welcome. I'm Melanie Olivero for CNA 938. Momentary Lives by Australian singer-songwriter and poet from Melbourne, Will Beale in collaboration with Singapore artist Erika. That was what you heard. And who is the creative force behind that production? It's none other than our very own Made in SG music producer, Woven Sound, who's joining me on Culture Club. Today, I'm introducing to you, of course, Woven Sound, or Vinod Das, a Singaporean producer whom some call a true maestro of collaboration. What you heard may have been a soft and ethereal song, but don't be mistaken, Woven Sound's work is said to transcend genres, and we're about to explore his diverse range of sounds, as he has also worked with local singers of different genres like Drew Chen and Gene Seizure. Woven Sound is also a guitarist and bassist in metal bands, and as if that wasn't enough, he's also a lecturer. More on that later. So let's learn more about Woven Sound's sonic journey from the man himself, Vinod. Discover more Singaporean music and musicians like Woven Sound at here65.com. It's an initiative by the National Arts Council, produced by independent music media company Bandwagon. Vinod, Vo- Woven Sound, of course, is a very unique name, but uh, I love the sound of it. Hello, I, hello. I love how it's it's said, but how did it come about, and, and what also inspired your initial interest, your love for music? Well, um, firstly, that was a amazing intro. Wow! <laughs> and I must say, Melanie yourself, uh, watching you work, you are amazing. If you guys can't see, but she has like five thousand screens in front of her right now, and she's just <laughs> switching all over the place. Octopus. Amazing, right? <laughs> I'm I'm all I mean all just sitting here, but uh, yeah, the name. I mean, yeah. um, I have a propensity. I've always been attracted to just music and more specifically sounds, and I like to play with them. You know, stretch them out, play, pitch them up, pitch them down, and I just realized, you know, music is like a like a weave of different types of sounds together, and that kind of just made the name come together. Yeah, nothing too deep. It was just really something I had to think of quickly so I can just put it out there and put my music out. Yeah, so that's where kind of the name came from. Woven sound. So the tapestry of sound that you put together reminds me of Phil Spector's wall of sound, you know? Wow. Wow. Yeah. So woven sound is also something just as meaningful when you think of the wall of sound as well. Well, I hope hope it is. Yeah, it is. It is. If you listen to your music, sheer artistry there. Tell us about your initial forays into music. How old were you when you discovered that music had so many layers? Well, for me, it was, I think it was about um, secondary school when I was in there. Okay. I remember, I mean, I'm si- always when I was young, I was sitting in the car with my dad and he would be busting out Luther Vendross and all that. And I was like, wow, that is cool. Yeah. And I always enjoyed that. But where I really started to kind of get connected to music in a very kind of deep manner was of course, I think in the formative years in secondary school. Yeah. And that was just discovering like 
all the uh, bands of the two, 90s, 2000s, Linkin Park and, you know, Evanescence, all the boy bands, stuff like that. Right. That just got me deeper into music. And slowly from there, I just went into... I had an attraction to, like, just heavier music, stuff with guitars and, you know, found Metallica and just went deeper into that. And then fell into the whole create a band with your friends, you know, start to jam and just start to play little shows here and there in Singapore and start to really get connected into a community, which I find very important if, you know, you feel that music is something that's important to you and you want to kind of pursue it further. The community is always so important. It's yeah. a, it sounds like a very nurturing community. Mm. During that time, were you picking songs apart, saying, oh, the bass line is like that, mm-hmm. the guitar riff is like that, the drums come in at that point. Were you already separating these aspects? Yeah, so primarily I picked up guitar first. So yes. off, off, straight out of the bat, <laughs> I was just like, oh, what is the guitar doing? And, and you know, what is it? And after a while, I really started to get into songwriting right when you're when you're with a band you you cover you cover songs at first like oh yeah and covering kind of already shows you like oh what is the drums doing you know and after that when we start to try and write our first few horrible songs right uh that's when you really start to learn like oh okay this drum pattern works well with this kind of you know riff and this bass line works very well with the drums we have yeah so that process kind of really just inducted me into the whole kind of getting used to the sonic scape of a song yeah. and what each element plays uh, to the whole. Uh. Okay, yeah. all right. So that's why you got a degree in audio engineering and music production from JMC Academy. That's a university in Australia. Mm-hmm. And how did that further cement your music journey or the direction in which you wanted to go? Wow, um, the journey to so that was in melbourne and i spent a good close to two years there and it was just a eye-opening experience because it was uh i just got to experience another take at the music culture just in a completely different place with different uh a different culture different ways of expressing themselves and just got to see that whole area and uh when i was there i was also kind of you know, living alone and mm. learning to be more independent. And it just opened my mind to a lot of different ways of uh, approaching music because in Melbourne, it was such a honey, it was a melting pot of different art, right? There were, of course, there was music all over the place. Then you had theatre and all these, and all of them were kind of pushing boundaries in a very uh, major way. And it just was very inspiring to to kind of experience that. And also just seeing that and looking at the bands we have here and I was just like, yo, Singapore music is there. We can we can go toe-to-toe with all these, you yeah. know, Australian musicians and it just inspired me and, and yeah, made me like, yeah, this is this is great. Singapore music is great and yeah, just inspired me to make more music. Yeah. Yeah, as so I move forward from there. So when you were in Melbourne then, mm-hmm. did you... Was the music scene concentrated in certain areas like Collingwood and Melbourne? Or did mm. you go to other places? I was primarily around uh, Melbourne, Fitzroy, Collingwood. Ah, uh, okay. The school was uh, in South Melbourne. Okay. Yeah, but I was mainly around the CBD and uh, most of the gig hotspots were near the, the town. Okay. Yeah, the main CBD area. So, yeah, I was in a good spot because I was living somewhere near the town and, you know, it was constant... 
uh, exposure to to just different forms of art, and it was it was such an amazing time. Yeah, is that where you met? Will Beale, the poet, singer, songwriter. <laughs> Funny enough, no. No. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I could have met him back in the day. It would have been crazy. But uh, we really met. Uh, was, we met each other way later. I think, oh. uh, in twenty nineteen. Uh, yeah. See. Okay. Now tell us about the very first song you worked on, and is it available anywhere? Like band, uh, oh, wow. uh, uh, band, Bandcamp. What was it? Was it called Bandcamp? Uh, it's got Spotify. Bandcamp's still around, yeah. Yeah, so is it on Bandcamp? It's on, actually it's on, I think f- Underwoven Sound, the first yes. ever song uh, I've ever made, yes, it is out. It's in Spotify. It's called Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. So this one was where I really uh, started working with I Has A Mic, uh, which is the main uh, rapper, singer, songwriter. He's He does a crazy amount of things. Hmm. Uh, but that's where we really started our collaboration. Um, basically, it was really interesting and that's around the same time I met Will yes. as well because I used to, I mean, I still play in a, a few metal bands and they actually got one of my metal bands to, they had this, they were part of this company called Ultra Super New and they were doing this thing where they would get something in a, in like a music genre, they would get a band from a very extreme location and get the opposite spectrum. Oh. So they got us working with an ASMR artist <laughs> to, to put a show together. <laughs> Right, and it was it was an amazing. Did you actually time? We did it. We we actually you? did a whole show, uh, and we got the ASMR artist on stage, and she was performing with us. It was death metal and ASMR. Yeah, it was insane. I have to give it. Uh, I think yeah, that that was a amazing experience, and only through them that we got to actually try this out. But that's where I got to meet both of them, and yeah. uh, mainly more. And I remember. Uh, Mo or I as a mic. His name is Mohammed. I call yeah. him Mo for short. Um, he was the video guy. Okay. So he was shooting videos and I was just looking at the way he worked and the videos he made and it was amazing. And then I was like, dude, we, uh, we need to make a music video. Come aboard. And we started talking about ideas. And right around the time I started experimenting with making like, you know, uh, beats because I've been making metal for so long I wanted to kind of branch out. Right. Started making little instrumentals and I thought, I need I need a voice. I yeah. need uh, someone to kind of ground this and bring some emotional, you know, presence to the music. And I just happened to go on the most uh, YouTube page and I scroll all the way down and I saw like almost a decade ago this guy was doing like uh, hip hop and rap and with the most amazing looking like 30 second music videos and it had like seven views, six views. I was like, dude, you were doing this way back. Come on, let's, I, I've, I have some stuff here. Let's try something out. And he was like, he was down. So, I sent him I sent him what I had. He came back to me like a few hours later with an entire verse. And that kind of morphed into that very first song, Humpty Dumpty. That's where it really all started. And that's the song we still perform to this day. Yeah. And we are still going to perform it. We have a show coming up, I think, soon. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So just Spotify and not Apple Music, YouTube. Uh, it's on uh, Spotify, Apple Music. It's wherever. Lah, wherever. Spotify, oh. Apple Music, YouTube, uh, whichever areas that you can listen to music on. There's a lot, I guess. All right. Humpty Dumpty, everyone, remember. <laughs> now, you're, you're a veteran in Singapore's underground metal scene. You've played yeah. guitar, like you said. And let's talk about these bands. Truth Be Known <laughs> and Mucus Mortuary. I've seen videos on your Instagram and oh, no. I've seen the crowd running running circles around the band. <laughs> oh, no. uh, and this is literally, uh, not, not in the figurative sense. 
and their head banging uh, brings me back to the 90s for me. All right. <laughs> How does death metal shape your approach oh to music production and sound design? Because their music is, as you say, loud and fast. Mm, mm. That is the music I grew up on and I'm still very connected to even today while I'm still doing hip-hop and pop. Yeah. But I starting out in that context and I, I mean starting out in a band and playing in a band like that, it really teaches you how to kind of just communicate ideas and work with people, yeah. right? Because especially, I mean, you listen to metal music and you listen to how intense it is. You know, sometimes you, there are, of course, intense people that make this kind of music. So it, it kind of teaches you how to kind of bounce ideas off and be a collaborator per se, which actually helped me a lot when I was, was moving on to work with a lot of different people under the Monica Woven Sound. Yeah. Right. And also just in terms of, because I do like uh, production and mixing and mastering and basically taking care of the sonics of a record. Yes. Right. Uh, because metal is all up in your face. Mm. Everything is, you know, it's like almost like a wall of sound. Right. And learning to manage that sonically was uh, quite a challenging experience. Right. And taught me a lot. Right. Really, really got me going and really getting good and interested in production as well. So it means you use programs like Pro Tools. Yes, uh, Pro Tools, Multiple. Logic, Cubase, which is where I started. Okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I was mainly the guy in charge of recording the band, mixing the band, yeah, and just putting the record out. The the man of, of many, many talents. Fun we times, but very stressful. <laughs> I'm quite sure, I'm quite sure. Let's listen to... Something else? I could make it feel okay. I'm in control of myself. I'm in good shape with no problems whatsoever. That's a lie. I'm not in the headspace to deal with the usual unusuals. But then again, I never am. But still I try. Still I fly from fence to fence. No point in dropping in on either side because none do make sense. Because how do you make friends when everyone is cordoned off to their corners? Diplomas climbing like zombies getting blocked up by dishonors. Diplomacy is their weapon, but decency is no option when now that one is I Has a Mic, a Singaporean rapper that Vinod or Woven Sound was talking about. Your EP Repack in mm. collaboration with I Has a Mic, released in 2021, is a form of lo-fi hip-hop exploring mental health themes and focusing on the more mundane cycles of daily life. So mm. how deeply personal was this project for you, Vinod, and how did you channel your own experiences into this music? Well, it's uh yeah, it is a very it was quite an ambitious project. I think that was the first time we actually worked on a whole conceptual kind of thing together, me and Mo. Because uh -huh. before that it was just like one off songs that we would try. And at that point, so maybe I'll talk about we we put the record out uh, on seven January and we did a whole we shot a home full music video like a I would call it a short film for the four tracks went through the entire 10 minute short film and we kind of screened it and that was in like the heart of I think not the heart of COVID, COVID but we were kind of getting out of COVID so it was yeah. still hard to kind of get people in the room Was vaccination started around that time I, maybe I don't early know. 2021 could yeah. be yeah. yeah we were really like January 7th and that was uh, Mohammed's or Ayaz Mike's uh, birthday 7 Jan we okay. released it on his birthday and that was also the day uh, his ex kind of dumped him. 
broke Ooh, up with him. Ouch. So really, and, and I mean, so the entire EP was kind of all his emotions. It was, it was building up to that, right? So he had all these emotions and I was kind of capturing it into these little pieces of music that we had. And he, I was just thinking about the lyrics he had, the melodies he had, and how to kind of support those kind of emotions that he was feeling because Repack also talks about it's a very circular thing where, mm. you know, sometimes when people are, or I think all of us have moments where we are down in the dumps or just feeling like, you know, sometimes the world is just too tough, mm. right? Yeah. You work through that and you feel better and sometimes it's okay to just fall back. Sometimes, it, you know, things happen like in waves sometimes. Yeah, that's right. Right? And, and just realizing that it's a process, right? Healing is a process and dealing with these emotions are a process and that's the kind of the message of the whole EP. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you need music and rap to get you through that. Mm -hmm. And how is Mo today? Has he found love again? Oh, he is happily together with someone. Oh. Yeah. Uh, this, this amazing lady called Tiff. Hello yeah. Tiff if you're listening. Yeah. And uh, they have two cats together. <laughs> which I love very much. You have a cat as well, don't you? I have you? two. Mooncake and? Sushi. Mooncake and sushi. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, those are my babies. I've seen your lady love as well. She's very pretty. Oh, Kimberly, huh? yes. That's Kimberly Ariola. Yeah. Hi, Kim. I love you very much. There you go. There the man has professed <laughs> his love on national radio, no less. But right now, let's play something else of his creation. From the source, cause don't nobody else know to learn that war. So check the facts, witness come from strength. Change she bought a one, cause I'm waiting for the chance. Chance, chance, waiting for the chance. Chance, chance, waiting for the chance to strike. The All right. Ooh, that one's called Laying Plans. And that's taken from the Art of War 2.0 EP, yeah, yes. Vinod? Yes. All right. Well, it received recognition from Bandwagon <laughs> as one of the best Singapore EPs of 2023, blending rap with traditional Chinese instruments to create a distinct sound. How did this one come about? Yeah, that one was uh, one of the more interesting uh, ones I got to work on last year. Yeah. So the concept actually came from the... So in that particular collaboration, there are two uh, classical Chinese instrumentalists. One of them is uh, Jeremy Wong, who works with, for the Tang Company here locally. Okay. And another one is the Erhu player, Kalista, uh, Kalista Liao. L I A W. Okay. She's an amazing. So she had. She was the kind of creative head of this project. So why it's called two is she already did uh, one, which was basically she was taking uh, out of war uh, Sun Tzu's uh, uh, work and she's kind of making it into songs. Okay. So number one was all classical uh, Chinese uh, arrangements. Okay. And then she wanted to kind of switch things up, so she wanted to blend uh, hip hop together with Chinese classical instruments. So it was a matter of me. Uh, kind of being able to work with very talented people, right? So it was two of them. And then, of course, the rapper here is uh, Axel Brizzy. And the production um, was split between me and this wonderful pr a producer called uh, Khalif Rari as well. Okay. Right, very young guy, super talented. He hears things that I'm like, wow, how did you make that? 
right? And then I kind of also uh, took care of the mixing and mastering of the record as well. So much talent in Singapore. It is. There are there are so many around. You know. Yeah. You, you just you gotta you gotta look. Yeah, because it's always there. It's, it's so awesome when I hear stories from musicians like yourself, singer-songwriters. It's just mm. such a big world out there and I'm only just referring to Singapore. Mm. So tell us more about The Art of War 2. Did you have to read all of Sun Tzu's Art of War? Not all of them. Uh, it was certain passages which she was taking from. Yeah. Uh, which kind of laid... There were certain passages which she made into a song. So the EP has like four tracks, uh, Laying Plans, Waging War introspection and then marching on so also kind of tying it to you know lessons in life and how when you face adversity there are some things you gotta prepare how you prepare yourself and how you move forward from them but the production was just really interesting because it was for me the first time i really got to work with you know things that are so foreign to me which is like these classical chinese ethnic instruments which are so amazingly cool to see these amazing players just rip out these insane sounds from these instruments and so we got them into into my little home studio and we really just spent like a so we kind of pre-produced the record and then they came over and banged out the four songs in like just did their parts in like a single day that's okay. when i realized yeah you don't don't mess with these classical musicians man you lay it out for them they'll listen to it like once or twice and just play the most amazing thing or the most amazing rendition of what you were trying to painstakingly program for three hours and they're just like yep here it is. <laughs> I was just about to ask you how many takes did they do? Minimum. Two. Really, because they are just... Uh, shout out to classical musicians because you guys are on another completely different level. right? Us guys who grew up in the band context learning power, <laughs> like power chords and stuff, yeah, they are on a completely different level. Yeah, And they were so nice and it was just an enjoyable experience. Right. Yeah, and that's what I love about, actually, that's what I love most about the, the project is just a fun time with great people. Yeah, and we just artistically could gel. Yeah. And that's why the project came out in such a, I would say, effortless manner. And yeah, I, I'm so ha I'm thankful that it it landed on that, that list uh, of, of uh, best EPs or whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a very cherished memory of, of last year for me. It's so powerful, it's so clear, so crisp, mm. and the energy is there. Mm. And then all recorded in your home studio, so you yeah. didn't have to go books a place at a, a nah. recording studio. Uh, yes, making my own little home studio has been my dream. So when uh, I when I bought my place with my wife, shout out Kimberly again. Hey Kimberly, uh, and, and Mooncake and Sushi. Yes, and Mooncake and Sushi. Uh, <laughs> That was one thing I was like, okay, I want to build the home studio for myself and make it a proper one. Yeah, so when I, when I came into this room, I was just like, oh, look at the speakers. Oh, look at the microphones. I'm just like, you know, <laughs> geeking out about the gear and the tech. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, because previously, uh, before I moved into my place, I was just, I was so sad because I was always pissing off my neighbors because I'll be working late at night, a um, bit of a night owl, and I would just be... You know, you listen to things at a certain volume and then two hours later, you just like slowly raise the volume and you don't realize it. And then ah, I felt so bad. I just kept pissing off my neighbors and I was like, okay, I don't want to do that. So I made sure I soundproofed the place and just set up a, a proper home studio to get like quality recording. So professionally soundproof, co uh, complete with the foam on the wall. Yeah, I got, uh, it's a floating room. So the floor is raised. I got, ah. yeah, room in a room so I can blast music at 3am and nobody dis nobody bothers me. I'm not bothering anyone. It's so no important. muffled beats even, nothing. Yeah, and uh, yes, proper acoustic panels, uh, yeah. 
good microphones. Yeah. Then the door? Soundproof door, soundproof window. Yeah, once you're closed, the you works. could, uh, yeah, you could have a, you could scream and shout in there and, you know, you won't, yeah, I won't be, uh, my wife can sleep in peace is what I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to say. <laughs> hey, back to your EP repack. It yes. received recognition from NME, as we know. Mm. It's a well-known music magazine in the UK with an editorial team in Southeast Asia. What significance did this recognition hold for you? Because we have been getting enemy when it was in print in in Britain nice, for yeah. more than twenty years, and then they stopped. Yeah. Now they're online, but how sometimes lah? Sometimes <laughs> they release uh, paper paper rare, editions lah. Very rare. It's all digital right now. All digi, correct, correct. Yeah. But how did this recognition impact your career as a music producer? Because other people would have seen that from other countries. Yeah, I think. I would say more than anything, it was just, uh, it was great to feel that, wow, because we really put a lot of effort into that piece of work. It was the four tracks and beyond that, it was also really the short film we, we did for it, which was also a lot of work because a lot of the scenes in the short film were just like a one take thing where the track will play for three minutes and we have a moving camera and we had to nail it in a single shot. So the effort was momentous and putting together the live uh, showcase of all that. So enemy, the greatest thing I think was just the recognition like, wow, you know, um, the effort you put in is actually being recognized, which is a great feeling, uh, you know, uh, divorcing from the fact that, you know, as long as you put effort into art and you put it out you sh- and you like it and love it, you should be proud of that, yeah. right? No matter the recognition that comes after the fact, right? As long as you've put your heart and soul into something and you put it out, I think you should be proud of yourself regardless. Quite yeah. true. Yeah, so that that kind of uh, landed us on, if I'm not wrong, Straits Times as well, which was crazy. So for me, it was just really a moment of like, hey, mom and dad, check it out. I, uh, something I made, uh, made made it to the Straits Times. It was just like a wonderful moment just to like, you know, um, thank, kind of show my parents like, hey, thank you for, for letting me pursue this line, you know, because of course, music in Singapore is not really the first thing a parent would want their kid. Yeah. I don't know about now, but back then, and I'm just so glad they let me have the space to do that. And it was just like, you know, kind of uh, proof like, hey, uh, you let me do this and I'm I'm really making something. Or so making, yeah. They let you do it from making something of yourself. So they let you do it from day one. No questions asked. Not not really. Uh, okay, I would say questions both asked, my parents like, were accountants, right? Yeah, oh. they're both accountants. So uh, I was kind of the guy like, Alamak, this guy music. Ah. <laughs> right? And... Uh, yeah, so are you, are you the at, only child? Uh, no, I have a sister. Is she an accountant? No, she is. Uh, she's in in London. She went to Oxford. She's the smart one in the family. Lawyer. I'm the, like, yeah, she, no, not a lawyer. She does like uh, psych psychology psychology stuff. Wow. Yeah. And now she's into she's doing like uh, app design and uh, filtering through helping businesses filter and look for employees using an AI app and stuff is crazy. What a yeah, job. Using psycho, psycho and oh, I psychological see. profiles and stuff. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah. So she was the, you know, she was, she reads stuff and it, she's like my dad. Like they are extremely like smart people. I'm the guy that's just like, hmm, the mathematics kind of challenged me a bit in school. So my parents were like, oh my God, what, what is going to happen to this kid? <laughs> right? And I mean, slowly I got into music and of course they were still at the starting points were like, 
you know, uh, maybe you should just try this on the side and do something else. And I kind of followed that a bit. Uh, in When I went to poly, I uh, did like something that was not related to music, but just realized after a while, I, I really don't see myself doing this uh, once I graduate. So once th- after the army, uh, thankfully, I think the, t- the army gave me two years to kind of just think about what I really want to do and then talk to my parents and like, look, I've been doing this for a long time and I feel that uh, I want to do this properly, mm. right? And they were like kind enough to, and lucky enough that they were so understanding to be like, okay, okay, uh, we'll give you a shot, like go for it. And then I was able to like get my parents' blessing and just, you know, really go head first into music. And since then I've never looked back, lah, I guess. And I'm just very, very lucky I've been able to kind of Etch a little living for myself doing yeah. this. So, what yeah. do they think of y- your your profession now? How you make a living? Mm, I think uh, because right now I'm a, I'm a I'm a full time teacher besides yeah. all the music as well. That's so, right. for me, I think as a parent, I think after a while they realize that I'm enjoying the work I do and it's meaningful to me. And I think as a parent, as long as they see that in a kid, I they they like okay, yeah, you know they're they're they're. They're proud in a sense, lah. That's and what most parents want, right? Yeah, I, I, I guess I hope so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I said most, lah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why, yeah. I, I just feel very blessed that uh, we've come to this point in my life and together with their lives, and we can sit down, have dinner, and just have a good conversation, and everything is, you know, sweet, and yeah, we understand each other. That's a very nice story. Yeah. Like you said, when you're not making music, you're helping others hone their skills in audio engineering. Mm. You are a lecturer at Orita Sinclair. It's a boutique design and art school Mm. right here in Singapore. So in what ways does teaching enhance your understanding and approach to music production? Because to tell someone how to do something at something that you're very good at reinforces your, your, your knowledge, you know? Definitely. Yeah. And it's really just trying you you do realize i love it because it makes you look at your own skill set and the things you need to teach and you have to really hone in your understanding of you know technical fundamentals and blah 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 right but still beyond that being able to like okay you're in a room of students right and you have this technical thing you need them to understand but how do you put it across in a way that sticks correct right beyond that Right, so not just like reading off the slides, you know, like the worst kind of teachers do, but uh, trying to make sure that whatever you show them, uh, they kind of remember it and make sure that, you know, explain why it's important and also how can you, how does it make practical sense? I, I'm, I'm a very, I'm a stickler for whatever I show my students has to make practical sense in the real world when they go out there and, and you don't know, do things for themselves right whether it's understanding a certain concept or how you can improve your workflow and just helping you like when you want to make something any kind of music like what's the best way to go about it yeah. from my understanding right you yeah. have to be a stickler for details oh yeah definitely right because you get the you will have and students are so smart yeah. right so you show them a concept and you start to tackle it from all different directions and you get questions that you're like oh, wow, I didn't actually think about that angle, right? And that's just amazing because it just also opens your mind to a concept you thought you understand and it just opens new doors to it, right? And I always love that about teaching. I, I, I still, I love teaching so much. It's, it's one of the most meaningful things I've had the pleasure of uh, 
being a part of in my life. And I never thought I would be a teacher. Yeah. It was something I just stumbled into and just found that, wow, it's a, it's a really meaningful kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. it's another passion of yours. Mm. Before I let you go, Vinod, mm. what else can we expect from you this year? Oh, wow. Uh, so I think the very first song you played was Momentary Lives with yes. uh, Will. Love it. Right? So that, uh, we have two songs out together. We actually have a whole uh, album that we made. So we still have about four to five songs that we're, we're slowly putting out. Uh, so you can look forward to that. It's coming out across this year. Okay. Um, the rapper you heard on the Art of War, that song from Art of War, uh, Waging War, I think. Or is it Laying Plans? I can't remember. Uh, but laying plans I have, yeah laying plans right uh, I have uh, we are working uh, me and Khalif uh, are working with him on a full uh, EP uh, which will be out this year as well okay. that's exciting and we are back together or me and Khalif are back together in the studio with Kalista again for something this year uh, I don't know how much I can say about it but <laughs> it, it is really cool it's so really cool she's, she's cooking up something and and uh, we are lucky enough to be involved, so uh, watch out for that. And finally, uh, I think me and Mo uh, have a show. Me and Isaac have a show on the thirtieth of March. Uh, I think on Esplanade. I think part of the forward um, platform okay. that's coming out. So we'll be playing two sets there. Okay, yeah. there's lots cooking in Vinod Studio, Woven Sound Studio. Thank you so much. Yeah. I had such a pleasure, pleasure getting to know Vinod. Of course, Vinod does, better known by his stage name, Woven Sound. You can find him on social media and he's got so much to share with you. So many videos, so many stories. Discover more Singaporean music and musicians like Vinod or Woven Sound at here65.com. It's an initiative by the National Arts Council produced by independent music media company Bandwagon. That's all for today's Culture Club and I'm Melanie Olivero for CNA 938.